Our message tonight is entitled, The Wine of Babylon. We're going to discuss an organized system of spiritual confusion. You see, brothers and sisters, in these last days, God is sending a worldwide message of warning, but also a worldwide message of invitation. A message that exposes error very boldly, but at the same time, it, review, it reveals truth very beautifully. This message is found in the book of Revelation and the 14th chapter. And so I invite you to turn there with me in your Bible as we read God's end time message of warning. We read it on previous nights. We've been studying this night after night. And I want us to notice another component of this final gospel message in the Bible. Revelation chapter 14, beginning with verse 6, we find the three angels' messages, which is the final message that will prepare the world for the second coming of Christ. Notice what it says in Revelation chapter 14, beginning with verse 6. Please write it down and open with me in your Bible. And let's notice what the Bible says. Revelation 14 and verse 6, if you're there and if you're ready to study, would you please say amen. amen. The Bible says, And I saw another angel, a messenger, fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting what? Gospel. To preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So here we find a heavenly messenger sharing and preaching a worldwide global gospel message. Now keep that in mind, friends. This is a gospel message. And the word gospel literally means good news. It's not a bad news message. It's a good news message. Because through the gospel message of Jesus, the Lord is trying to save every person in the world. Can you say Amen. And before Jesus comes, every person in this world is going to have an opportunity to hear what you're about to hear tonight. What you're about to hear is a part of the gospel message, a good news, get happy and get excited message. And then it says in verse 7, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him that made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of waters. We studied that part of the message on previous nights. But now I want us to turn to the second angel's message found in verse 8. Notice what it says. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. How many times did it say it fallen? Twice. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city, because she, because what? She made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So here we find a part of the end time global gospel good news message is a strong warning against a system that the Bible calls Babylon. It says that this city called Babylon is fallen twice. And this city called Babylon is also personified as a she, as a woman, because we're going to learn tonight that whoever this system called Babylon is, is not only a city or a political power, it's also a woman which represents a church. It is a church-state union together. The Bible says that she has fallen twice because she has caused all nations to become drunk, spiritually confused and intoxicated with the wine of her spiritual fornication. That's apostasy. That is spiritual harlotry. And friends, if God says something once, it's important the first time he says it. Can you say amen? But friends, God repeats this same message twice. I want us to notice now in chapter 18 of Revelation, verses 1 to 4. God repeats 
the fall of this organized system of confusion called Babylon. Revelation 18 verse 1, the Bible says, And after these things, I saw another angel, that is another messenger, come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a what kind of voice? A strong voice. You see, God is speaking very strongly to us because he loves us. He cries with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitations of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Why? Verse 3. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth had committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Then verse 4 says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out. Come where? Come out of her. What are the next two words? My people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. And so here we find God repeats the second time. The fall of this city called Babylon that is also personified as a woman, as a church. And in Revelation 18, God pleads with his people to come out of her. You see, brothers and sisters, the reason why God wants us to come out of this system is because it says that she has become the habitations of devils. In other words, she is filled with the doctrines of demonic spirits. In fact, the Apostle Paul warned us of this as well. Notice in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul wrote, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, in the what times? That means the last days, that some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of what? Of devils. And friends, that's what Babylon is all about. It's filled with devils and seducing spirits. Because this system has preached the doctrines of demons it is a system of organized confusion that has caused individuals to become spiritually drunk, spiritually intoxicated with the wine of her false doctrine. And so God pleads, he says, come out of her, my people. And so question, if we remain in this, in this system, we're going to end up being destroyed with it because this is a fallen system. For example, if, you, if this building falls on you, what's going to happen to you? You're going to perish, isn't that right? And so if you remain in Babylon, you will perish with Babylon. And that's why God in mercy is pleading with his people to come out of this system. Now, first of all, let's make it clear. Does God have some of his people in this system? Yes or no? Absolutely yes. He claims them as his own. He says, come out of her, my people. Friends, make no mistake about it. God does have some of his people, his sheep, his children, his followers, his believers that are in this system that the Bible describes as Babylon. And friends, question, how many of you believe that you're God's people? Do you believe that you're God's people? If so, let me hear you say amen. Yeah. Oh, friends, if, if you believe that you're God's people, and if God has some of his people still in Babylon, could it be possible that some of us are in Babylon tonight? Could that be possible? Yes or no? Of course, if God still has some of his people in Babylon and we believe that we're his people, it could be very possible that some of us tonight are still in Babylon. And if we don't come out, we're going to be destroyed when it falls. And for this reason, how many of you realize the importance 
of understanding who Babylon is. Is it, is it important to know who Babylon is, yes or no? Friends, if we don't know who Babylon is, then we don't know what God is calling us to come out of. Isn't that right? God says, come out of Babylon, my people. And so we need to have a very clear, biblical, exegetical understanding of who Babylon is in the book of Revelation so that we can know if we're in this system, so that if we are, we can follow the voice of Jesus and we can come out of this broken system that the Bible says is fallen twice. And so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to examine and expose the identity of spiritual Babylon in the book of Revelation. You see, friends, in Revelation, John saw a contrast of women. You remember we looked at this the other night? He saw a pure woman that was clothed in white garments. And then John saw a harlot woman that was decked out with gold and jewels and precious stones. She was dressed immodestly, and she was riding upon a scarlet-colored beast. And we learned before that in Bible prophecy, a woman is a symbol of, of what? Of the church. And friends, the pure woman clothed in white represents God's pure church. It's the bride of Christ. But this harlot woman represents a church that is not pure, a church that has not remained faithful to her husband, Jesus Christ. It represents the apostate church system. And friends, it's that woman, the harlot, that the Bible identifies as Babylon the Great. Remember, it was called a city, which is a political power, but it was also personified as a she, as a woman, which represents a church. In fact, notice what the Bible calls the harlot woman in Revelation 17 and verse 5. It says, upon her forehead was the name written, mystery, what is she called? Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And so when God says, come out of Babylon, my people, he's referring to this woman, this apostate church system. You see, we told you before that God has his people in every single church in the world today. Can you say amen? His sheep are scattered into many different folds, including this one. He has some of his people in this apostate church system, but he's calling them to come out. And so it's this apostate church that the Bible identifies as Babylon the Great. And the Bible says that she is called the mother of harlots. Now, friends, that's strong language, but no one needs to be offended by that because we're just using the word that the Bible uses. Can you say amen? And so who is she? Well, friends, in order to understand who Babylon is in Revelation, we first must go to the Old Testament to get the foundation. We learned on our first night out here that Revelation is built upon the solid foundation of the Old Testament Scriptures. So in order to discover who Babylon is in Revelation, we first have to go back to the Old Testament to study the origin of this kingdom and this word Babylon. And friends, I believe that the, 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 the word Babylon actually originates all the way back to the Tower of Babel. We read in Genesis chapter 7 how God destroyed the world with a flood. And then after destroying the world with a flood, God put the rainbow in the cloud as a covenant promise that the world would never be destroyed by a worldwide flood ever again. God gave his promise, the rainbow in the cloud. But then after the flood, in Genesis chapter 11, we see mankind building a tower that is called Babel. And the reason why they built this tower is so that just in case God does not keep his promise, and just in case a flood comes, they could climb up this tower and save themselves. 
In other words, friends, the Tower of Babel was a symbol of salvation by works. Instead of believing in the promise of God, they said, we're going to work and we're going to build something that we can ascend into the heavens. And we don't need God to save us. We are self-sufficient. We can save ourselves. And friends, the word Babel literally means gateway of the gods. This tower was man's attempt to be like God without God, to ascend into the heavens, to save themselves. They don't need God. We are God. It's the gateway of the gods. And so, friends, God in Revelation describes a system that would do the exact same thing. You see, Babylon in the book of Revelation is an organized system that is based on salvation by works instead of salvation by God's covenant promise. It's man's attempt to save themselves by the works of their own hands. And friends, it was at the Tower of Babel that God confused the languages. Do you remember that? And friends, Babylon, the word Babylon came to be known later on as confusion by mixing. God confused the languages. They were not able to understand each other. It was like they were babbling to each other. They didn't understand. And so too, brothers and sisters, a New Testament end time Babylon is also a system that has spoken confusing doctrines. In fact, notice what it says in the book of Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 23. Leviticus 18, 23, the Bible tells us, neither shall any woman stand before a what? A beast to lie down thereto. It is what? Confusion. The Bible tells us when a woman and a beast come together, it's confusion. And that's the symbol that we see in Revelation 17, a woman riding upon a beast. Why? Because New Testament end time Babylon in Revelation is also a system of organized spiritual confusion. Instead of boldly proclaiming truth, they are babbling, confusing doctrines of devils. So we continue with more foundational understanding about Babylon in the Old Testament. Not only that, but friends, there was a literal kingdom called Babylon in the Old Testament. It was built near the site of the Tower of Babel. This was the headquarters of the dragon's kingdom, the kingdom of antinomianism, the kingdom of iniquity and lawlessness. And friends, when you study the ancient kingdom of Babylon, it was a worldwide pagan kingdom that was an enemy to the people of God. They were hostile to God's people and devastating to God's work. And throughout the Bible, the literal kingdom of Babylon in the Old Testament was a kingdom that embodied rebellion, disobedience, persecution, idolatry, pride, adultery, and all of these things. And friends, Old Testament Babylon was also a man-made system of false religion. How so? Well, let me explain. You remember we studied on our second night out here in Daniel, the second chapter, how Daniel was a Hebrew captive in Babylon. And the first king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream that he wanted to know what the interpretation of it was. And Daniel explained the vision because God revealed it to him. And in the vision, Daniel or the king saw an image of a man. And this image was made of different metals, four of them specifically. And each different metal would represent a different kingdom that would reign from Babylon's time to the end. And Daniel said to the king, King, thou art this head of gold. In other words, the kingdom of Babylon was symbolized by the head of gold on this image. Do you remember this, yes or no? But friends, only the head was of gold. After that, the chest and arms were of silver, belly and thighs of brass, long legs were of iron, feet and toes of iron and clay, which shows that Babylon, the golden kingdom, would not last forever. It would, it would, it would cease 
and another kingdom would reign after this. And this was a vision, a prophetic dream that was given by who? Who gave the dream to the king? God did. Can you say amen? So this was a heavenly vision. In other words, this was the truth of God's word. And friends, the king took what God had given to him. The king took this heavenly vision and he did not destroy it. Instead, what the king did is he changed it. He didn't, he didn't totally disregard it. He took what God had given and he just modified it. He just adjusted it and altered it. He changed it a little bit. And instead of making an image just that uh, the head was only of gold, he made a whole image. The, he made the whole thing of gold. And then in Daniel chapter 3, after the king made the same image that God had given to him in his dream, but he made it of all, he made the whole thing of gold. He then called the whole world to come to bow down and worship this golden image. And friends, what did the gold represent again? It represented the king and the kingdom of Babylon. In other words, he was saying, I don't really care what God says. My kingdom is going to last forever. You see, he did not destroy what God had given him. He just changed it. He just modified it, and he called the world to bow down and worship it, breaking God's commandment. You see, that image was an image of himself and his kingdom. So, friends, this is what the, this is what the king of Babylon did. He took what God gave, and he changed God's word for his own personal glory. Do you see that? He took the word of God, the vision, and he changed it for his own personal benefit, and his own personal glory. And friends, New Testament Babylon Revelation does the exact same thing. They don't totally disregard the word of God. They take it and they change it. They modify it. They mix it. And they change it for their own personal benefit and their own personal glory. It is a man-made system of false religion. Now friends, the Bible tells us that Babylon is fallen, is fallen. But why is Babylon fallen? Well, friends, in order to answer that, we have to ask, why, was, why did Old Testament Babylon fall? And you can read about the fall of Babylon in Daniel chapter 5. We looked at that on a previous night. Remember in Daniel, the fifth chapter, we read about the fall of the ancient kingdom of Babylon. We see King Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, throwing a party. And he has the thousand of his lords there, and they're having a good time. The music is going, and, the, and he's drinking the finest wine, and he's there just living it up. When suddenly the king makes a deadly and fatal mistake, he calls his servants to bring the golden cups that his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar took from the sacred temple in Jerusalem. He said, bring me those golden cups. Why? So that he could drink his old wine of Babylon in those sacred cups that were used for the Lord's service. Here we find the king of Babylon is mixing the sacred and the profane together. Drinking old wine in the sacred cups of the Lord. And friends, whenever the king mixed the sacred and the profane, that was like the last straw that broke the camel's back. On that very night, judgment fell when the king mixed the sacred and the profane. And friends, that's the reason why ancient Babylon fell. And that's the exact same reason why New Testament end time Babylon falls as well. Because end time Babylon does the same thing. It is a system that mixes truth and error together. 
in order to deceive people, in order for individuals to become spiritually drunk, spiritually intoxicated. And that's why the Bible says that end-time Babylon is a fallen system because they take the Word of God and they take doctrines from paganism and they mix them together. Are you with me, yes or no? And so we find four foundational characteristics of end-time Babylon. Number one, it is a system of salvation by works. Just like the Tower of Babel, they built this tower to save themselves. So to end time Babylon would do the same thing. Number two, it's a system of spiritual confusion. It was at Babel that the languages were confused and they did not, were not able to understand each other. And so to end time Babylon, they speak things that, that, that are not according to God's word. They babble error instead of proclaim the truth. And number three, it's a system that changes the word of God for their own personal glory, just like Nebuchadnezzar changed the image that was made of four metals into just one metal and called the world to bow down to break God's commandments in worshiping this idol. End time Babylon does the same thing. And then number four, it's an organized system that mixes the sacred and the profane in order to deceive people and cause people to become spiritually intoxicated and confused. And friends, if this makes sense, would you please say amen? So now the next question is this, who is this system that does all of these terrible things? Well, we don't have to guess, friends, because God gives us some clear identifying characteristics of who this false church state system is. Let's go now in our Bible to the book of Revelation chapter 17, where we read the characteristics of this spiritual organized system of confusion that has led people astray and has caused people to become confused. Revelation chapter 17. God calls his people to come out of this church. What church is this? Revelation 17, notice what it says, beginning with verse 1. And we're going to outline eight identifying marks. How many? Eight marks of end time Babylon. So notice what it says. Revelation 17, verse 1, if you're there, would you let me know by saying amen? amen. The Bible says, And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore, that sits upon many waters. Now, friends, once again, I, I know that that's strong language. But, friends, that's the word that the Bible is using to describe this church that is in apostasy. It says that this woman is a whore or a harlot. You don't have to be offended because that word harlot or whore, it simply means it's a symbol of spiritual adultery, which is apostasy against God. And that's our first characteristic. Write it down. This false church state system is a harlot, because they are in spiritual apostasy. They've made a compromise with the world. And you can write down these verses in Ezekiel chapter 16. God likens harlotry to that of spiritual unfaithfulness to God. And also James chapter 4 and verse 4. The Bible says, you adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity against God? Whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You see, when we embrace the world, and flirt around with the world, we are committing spiritual adultery against our heavenly husband, Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what this church has done. And so characteristic number one, it says that she is a whore or a harlot. And then characteristic number two, it says that she sits upon many waters. What does that mean? In prophecy, waters are a symbol of multitudes of people that speak multitudes of languages. And you can find that in Revelation 17 and verse 15. Write it down. In fact, let's read it since we're right there. Notice verse 15. It says, And he saith unto me, The waters which you saw where the horse sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and 
tongues or languages. So when the Bible tells us that she sits upon many waters, it simply means that she controls and is supported by multitude, multitudes of people that speak multitudes of different languages. And friends, if that makes sense, would you please say amen? In other words, this is a worldwide church, folks, that has members in all the world in every single language in the world. Now let's take a look at another characteristic. Notice with me in verse 2. It says, with whom the kings of the earth, with whom who? Now kings of the earth, are those religious or are those political powers? Those are political powers. And it says the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so characteristic number three, the Bible says that she has committed fornication with the kings of the earth. Kings of the earth are political powers. It simply means that this is a church, a woman that is in bed with the state. It's not just a church, but it's a church-state union together. And the Bible says that when church and state comes together, that is spiritual fornication. Because Jesus said, give to Caesar that which is Caesar's, but give to God which is God. In other words, God wants us to keep the church and state separate. The church shall not control the state, and the state will not rule over the church. These two entities must be separated in order for us to really have freedom. But this church, this apostate system, is in bed with the kings of the earth because it's a church-state union. Are you with me, yes or no? And then notice the third, another characteristic in verse 3. Verse 3 says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness... And I saw a woman sit upon a what color beast? A scarlet colored beast, full of the names of blasphemy and having seven heads and ten horns. So the Bible tells us that this woman, this church, characteristic number four, is sitting upon a seven-headed beast. Oh, friends, what does a beast represent in Bible prophecy? Do you remember we studied before? A beast is a symbol of a kingdom. And we can find that in the book of Daniel chapter 7 and verse 17. But this beast has seven heads. Well, what do these seven heads represent? In Revelation 17 verse 9, it tells us that the seven heads are seven mountains. In fact, notice, let's read it since we're right there. Revelation 17 verse 9 tells us, here's the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven what? Mountains on which the woman sits. And so when the Bible tells us that the woman is sitting upon a seven-headed beast, it simply means that it is a church that is located on a kingdom that rests upon seven mountains or, or seven hills. It's a church that is located in a kingdom on seven mountains or seven hills. Now let's take a look at our next characteristic in verse 4. Notice what it says. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color. What colors was she arrayed in? Purple and scarlet color. By the way, we're going to find out what that means in just a moment. And decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand. What did she have in her hand? A what kind of cup? Does that sound familiar? Isn't that what the king Belshazzar did in Babylon? Has a golden cup in her hand, and what's in the cup? Full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication and so characteristic number five we see that she is dressed in purple and scarlet colors which is a color of sin we're going to find that in just a moment characteristic number six in her hand is a golden cup 
and in the cup is filled with the wine of what the Bible calls abominations. Now, friends, that word abomination is important for our study tonight. Abomination is something that is hateful in the eyes of God. It is something that is very terrible. And in the cup is the wine of abomination. Oh, friends, what exactly are abominations? Notice what the Bible says. Write it down. In Proverbs 12 and verse 22, the Bible says that lying lips are what? Abomination to the Lord. And so what is an abomination? It's lying lips. What's in the cup? The wine of abominations. And it simply represents a bunch of lies, friends. The wine is nothing but a bunch of lies and false doctrine and deception that causes people to become spiritually drunk and intoxicated and confused by these deceptions. And so we go back to our list. Characteristic number six, a golden cup full of abominations. It simply means that she passes around a bunch of intoxicating wine, symbolizing deceptions and lies. And as a result, all the world has become spiritually drunk. Now let's notice the next characteristic in verse 5. Does that make sense, yes or no? Now let's notice verse 5. It says, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Characteristic number 7, the Bible says that this woman is a mother. But she is not a mother of good things. She is a mother of harlots. Which simply means, friends, that she is a mother church, and from her came daughter churches that also fell into apostasy as well. In other words, other apostate churches came out or broke away from the mother church. And then notice in verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, and when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And so characteristic number eight, Bible says that this woman, this church is drunk with the blood of the saints. In other words, she is a persecutor of the people of God. She has put many Christians, many of God's people to a cruel and torturous death. And so we find eight identifying characteristics of what the Bible calls Babylon, an organized system of confusion that God still has many of his people in, but in these last days is calling his people to come out of. And friends, as you look at all these characteristics, who do you think it is? Friends, it's clear who this church state system is that committed spiritual adultery against the Lord by compromising with paganism. That is a worldwide church sitting upon many waters, having members all around the world. A church that, 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 that is located on a city, a kingdom of seven hills or seven mountains that is always arrayed in purple and scarlet colors, decked out with gold and jewels and precious stones, and that has a golden cup in their hand full of the old intoxicating wine of false doctrine. Friends, there's only one religious system in the world that fits every single one of these characteristics. And which one is it? It's the same power in Daniel 7, the little horn. It's the same Antichrist beast of the book of Revelation. It is none other than the Roman church state system, not the people but the system and the structure itself. Because remember, God has many of his people that are still in this system. Can you say amen? I have family members in this system that I love with all my heart. God loves the people in the system. Nothing, nothing against the people, folks. It's the system that God is exposing because it is a system of salvation by works. It is a system that has mixed truth and error together to confuse 
confuse people. It is a system of organized confusion. And friends, all we have to do is ask, does the papacy fit the characteristics? And the answer is yes. The Bible tells us that the papacy has committed spiritual harlotry. And you study in the early centuries, the way that the church actually began was a compromise with pagans when Constantine walked into the church. They didn't remain faithful to Jesus. They allowed paganism to enter within. That's harlotry, friends. She sits upon many waters. What does this mean? It's a church that has worldwide membership. People all around the world, every single language around the world is is constituents of this church. Not only that, but characteristic number three. It says that she had committed spiritual fornication with the kings of the earth. It is a church that is also a state, a church-state union in one. Not only that, but she sat upon a scarlet-colored beast that had seven heads, representing seven mountains. Friends, the Vatican is located literally in a kingdom that has seven mountains or seven hills. I was just there in Rome last year, and I walked around all of those seven hills. It's right there, friends. The Vatican City is known as the City of Seven Hills. A woman sitting upon a beast with seven heads. And then characteristic number five, it says that she was arrayed in what colors? Purple and scarlet colors. And friends, did you notice that these are the colors that the Roman papal officials are always clothed with? Purple and scarlet colors all the time. And we're going to find out, friends, that that is a color that represents sin. Not only that, but in her hand was a golden cup. And in the cup was what? What was in the cup? Wine, but what kind of wine? Not fresh, pure grape juice, but old, rotten, dead, intoxicating wine that brings spiritual confusion. And friends, there is only one religious service in the world that is centered around a golden cup that is filled with old, intoxicating wine. And friends, what is that? It's the Catholic Mass, friends. The only religious system in the world that is centered around a golden cup that is filled with old intoxicating wine. And friends, the reason why it's so deceptive and confusing is because the priest claims to have the power to turn the wine that is in the cup into the literal blood of Jesus. Claiming to have the power to take that wafer, that little wafer, and create, recreate it into the literal flesh of Jesus. Not a symbol, but the real deal. And friends, if that's true, then that means that, that man can recreate God. That is blasphemy, friends, and and many people are thinking that if they can just drink the wine and eat the bread, that they are saved by that outward act, that they can live however they want to live, as long as they take communion once a week, that they are saved, and that has brought spiritual intoxication and confusion, because friends, it's only a symbol of what God wants to do in our lives. You see, the flesh of Jesus is the Word of God. It says that the Word was made flesh. We need to eat the Word of God so that it can become a part of us. And friends, the eating of the unleavened bread is just a symbol of the imparting of the Word of God in our lives. Can you say amen? The drinking of the wine, which is not old intoxicating wine, but fresh, pure grape juice, is a symbol of being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Friends, they claim to have the power to turn it into the literal blood and the literal flesh of Jesus, crucifying him over and over and over again. And that's why the Bible depicts the woman having a golden cup in her hand full of the wine of abominations, the wine of lies. Not only that, but the mother, the the, the papacy is also known as the mother church. She is the mother church. And from her broke away daughter churches. And what were the daughter churches that broke away? Protestant churches. 
These churches came out from the mother church during the dark ages. And so she is known and she claims to have the title of being the mother church. And then characteristic number eight, she is drunk with the blood of the saints. Friends, the papacy was a persecutor of God's people. History makes it very clear that the papacy put to death over 50 million Christians during the dark ages. And their only crime was that they wanted to remain faithful to the word of God. Friends, it's clear that Babylon in the book of Revelation is none other than the Roman church state system. Not the people, but the system itself. Can you say amen? And in these last days, God says that he has his people in this church, in this system. He has them, friends. People who are living up to all the light they know. They're sincere and they're beautiful people. Wonderful Christians. And while they may not have all the truth, if they're living up to all that they know to be true, God recognizes and, and acknowledge, acknowledges them as his children. And many of them are going to be saved in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? So no one needs to feel offended or personally attacked tonight. We're not talking about people. It's the system that God is exposing. Why? Because he loves the people that are in the system. Can you say amen? You may ask me why do I serve the Lord? Is it just for heaven's gain? Or to walk those mighty streets of gold? And to hear the angels sing? Just a drink from the fountain that never shall run dry, or just to live forever and ever in that sweet old by and by. But if testimony of my life for sure living in a world of darkness the Lord Jesus brought us the light of life amen dear Lord we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace we thank you so much for drawing us to this place that we might study your word 
that we might learn more about Jesus, that we might understand your will for our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you'd put in our hearts a love for you that would compel us to respond to your invitation of mercy tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.